I don't know what Amen. Brad said a while ago, but if he didn't make re reference to Ray Stevens' Mississippi Scroll Revival, that's right. I, I would like to go ahead and make that reference because from up here, <laughs> that's what it looked like to me. <laughs> we have a new member of the congregation that happens to be a lizard. <laughs> please, please have a seat. If you'll bow with me. Father, we come at this, at this time to, to join together in message and in word and ask that you would remove uh, me from this equation, though it would be my voice, may it be your words. I also lift up Arbor Point. That would become the tip of the spear as God reaches into this community, that we would be intentional in invitation, bold in sharing the love and grace God has given us with others who need it. That we pray, Lord, that you would begin to send us those that you would have join us in this journey. Lift up our children's ministry, expand it, our youth group. Prepare as, as they prepare to go to Puerto Rico next summer, that we lift them to you and prepare that path. You know the path. And Father, we lift up each of us that we would engage in this journey and that we would reach out to others in your name. Shower your spirit upon us and lead us to the place. You already know where it is. We don't, but we want to go there. Amen. Thrive. Did you know that we were made to thrive? We're made to live a life of abundance, and I wish that meant money to everybody, but it doesn't. But that doesn't mean that we can't have an abundant life, and we are meant to thrive. We're meant to live fully for Christ. We're meant to reach out to others, to be a catalyst in this community, inside this church, outside this church, for, for an impact for Jesus Christ. That's what we're made for. It's what we're made to do, who we're made to be. And that is a very, very cool thing, that we get to do that. We're going to start a series, it's, it's, called, it's based on a book by Mike Slaughter called Momentum for Life. So I'm going to be talking about momentum because momentum is critical for us in our journey and it comes and it goes. It, it, it's a challenge at times, but we, it, without it, we end up kind of stuck. So our passage today is out of Luke chapter 9. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Any baseball fans? Baseball? Any Red Sox or Yankees fans? No, good. Me neither, but I'm going to use the Red Sox story as a, as, a, as a thing for momentum. They were playing the Yankees. It's been a few years now, they, and Red Sox hadn't won a World Series in forever, and now that they have, they gloat and they carry on and all that. They were down 3-1 to one in the championship seri series against the Yankees, and the Yankees thought they had it, and then the Red Sox came back and they won Game 5, and that was 3-2. to two. Game 6, the Red Sox, they're beginning to get a little bit of momentum. They won Game 6. It was 3-3, three to three, and now the Yankees are getting a little bit worried. The Red Sox came back and won game seven and went on and broke over a 100-year uh, drought of championships because they gained momentum. They were down. They were done. When you're down 3-1 in a series, well, Golden State did it this year to Cleveland, but usually you don't win because the momentum is against you. But when they won that first game, it began to move them into a belief that they could make it. And then the next game, and then the next game, and then they're in the World Series, and we're rolling. They had momentum. 
And we need momentum in the church. We, we need that forward impetus. We need to be able to move wherever it is that God, God would have us go. When we have momentum, it's like nothing can stop us. Doesn't matter what roadblock you put in front of me, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make it. When we don't have momentum, it's like, just can't break free. Can't get going. So we want momentum. So we're going to spend four weeks talking about how to get it and the effort that it takes. So we're going to talk about discipleship. We're going to use a, a definition that Mike Slaughter uses in the book. There's a lot of definitions for discipleship. Our vows in the Methodist Church, prayers, praises, uh, prayers, praises, gifts, prayers, presence, praises. I'm still praising something. I don't know. I praise for a lizard running around in a, bringing, bringing joy to a congregation in the morning. Presence, gift, service, and witness. That's kind of the model for the Methodist Church. But Mike Slaughter, who is a Methodist pastor, uses a different formula. He I, and it t it's three things, but it, and it takes all three. It's not, well, let's just do this one, and we won't worry about the other two. The first that he uses is called undiluted devotion to God. An undiluted devotion to God. That's about the presence of God. In two weeks, we're going to talk about a kingdom worldview. We just said the Lord's Prayer, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. It's not just a future thing. The kingdom of God, Jesus came to bring his kingdom here. We're to live that out. That's part of what it means to be a disciple of Christ is that we, we're kingdom builders and we have a kingdom worldview. And we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks. The last one is missional lifestyle. And I will tell you that you guys have a pretty good handle on missional, missional lifestyle. It's very, very cool. I love telling the story about my first time out at ISERV with, with Sherry Grant saying we rely on Arbor Point because we know they're going to be here. And that was on a day they had a lot of folks. She said, it's not usually like this, but we know you guys are going to be here. So if you get an opportunity, we're going to be at pastor school uh, Monday through Thursday of next week. So won't be able to be there on Tuesday. But if you have any opportunity to go out to Pendergrass on, on Tuesday morning, have, it's, it's a good time. And it's making a difference, what they're doing and making a difference. But we're going to talk about that in three weeks. Today, today we're going to talk about us. Doesn't that sound good? I'm going to focus on me, and you can get to focus on you. Now, Kit likes for me to have points, uh, so I'm trying to do better at, at, at having, you know, three points or four points. So that today I have four points, and, and there will be a slide at the end, so if you miss them, that's, you know, that's okay. They'll, they'll be back around. Uh, the first and main point is this. All leadership starts with self-leadership. It really is about us and the choices that we make. All leadership starts with self-leadership, and that's the main point today. The next, second one is that momentum is critical on our journey. The third is that discipleship requires something of us. It requires sacrifice, as our passage says today. And the fourth one is a formula that you'll get used to seeing. Um, it's up in the top right up, up there. Faith plus discipline equals momentum. Faith plus discipline equals momentum. But today we're going to talk about us. Now, I know because of Facebook and such that there are some folks in here who, who are good at training, right? Any of y'all, is that anybody in here or are they all out running right now or cross-training or, 
or whatever it is that they do. We had folks running in the Peachtree Road Race. We've got folks who, who train. That's, you know, they, they, they're consistent with it. They're, they stay in good shape. They train. And we need to bring that into our Christian life so that we train on our journey to be a disciple. We cannot get to where we want to be in our faith, influence, relationships, vocation, or physical and emotional health if we're not moving forward. If I want to move forward into something, we talked about this, right, Albert, a few weeks ago, that if you want to get good at, good at, at sports, you've got to practice. And if you want to be, get good and learn as much as you can about what it means to be a Christian, you've got to put in the effort. You've got to be intentional about that. See, if we're not willing to take up our cross and follow Christ, if we're not willing to lose our life in order to save it, then, then we're not going to gain momentum in our, in our journey together as Christians. And all progress, all possibilities begins from this place of self-leadership. Self-leadership is critical for us. No one can do it for us. You can't do it for me. I can't do it for you. We have to make some choices and follow through. And there's lots of examples of failures at self-leadership. Anybody remember Enron a few years back? Kenneth Lay was a fine Christian man by all reports. And yet he led a company that bankrupted thousands of employees because he failed at self-leadership. He, he was living his life over here, but he, he, his, he forgot his responsibility that he had as a leader. Martha Stewart, she went to jail. Someone very successful failed at self-leadership in that instant, at, at moral leadership. Joe Paterno, and the list can go on and on, but it's not, I wish it was just outside the church, but it's not. Even here, Bishop Eddie Long in Atlanta, abused boys. There's this guy, and I've got to look at his name because I, I, I can never say it right, and you won't recognize his name either, but you'll recognize his lineage. Uh, it's a pastor in Florida. His name is Tulian Chiv Chivigian. Say it again. That's the dude. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> he had a moral failure. Great church growing in Florida. Moral failure. The reason that, that I bring him up is he's the grandson of Billy Graham. He failed at self-leadership. And in fact, earlier this month, a gentleman named Perry Noble uh, up at New Spring, which is just across the line in South Carolina, a booming and growing church, he failed at self-leadership. Alcohol got him. He, bega he began to rely on alcohol, as he put it. I relied on alcohol instead of Jesus. And that happened, and, and it goes on and on. Self-leadership. We've got to be willing, and, and, and we've got to be intentional about leading ourselves if we're going to be the disciples that God would have us to be. They forgot, every one of them forgot one simple thing. Discipleship requires sacrifice. God asks something of us. If, you've, if, if you come from a place where uh, sometimes Christianity gets framed in a soft, easy light, that's not what Jesus was about. Jesus asks something of us. He loves you exactly, don't mishear me, he loves you exactly where you are and who you are. And he loves you way too much to leave you there. The Holy Spirit's going to work on you and he works on me in order to draw us nearer to Christ over time. It's how God works. But it's not about comfort. Comfortable Christianity is not what Jesus taught. He taught us something very different. Sacrificial Christianity. It requires sacrifice and giving some things up on our part if we're going to walk with him. Now each of us in this room has dreams. Some of those dreams uh, have been achieved. Some of those haven't. Some of them will, and some of them, quite honestly, won't. 
Those that don't, generally we will say things like, well, I didn't get a break. Things just didn't fall my way. But if we take a step back and really look at it, most of the time it's going to be, you know, I really didn't put the effort that that would require. I wasn't willing to give up my nightlife, or I wasn't willing to give up this part of my life. I wanted everything, and, I, and you can't have everything, but you can have Christ and what he would bring to you. It's going to require some things of us, and it's going to require, it's required things of me, and it will continue to do so. It's going to require things of y'all, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, and having dreams, we need to have dreams, but simply having a dream and, and being disciplined in the pursuit of that dream are very different things. Y'all have dreams for Arbor Point? There's a whole bunch of them. If, if you haven't picked up your, your, uh, your giving statement, there will be hopes and dreams, I believe, in that, in that envelope for you. The things that you guys have hopes and dreams about in this place. If you didn't get one, then we'll get you one. You have hopes and dreams. So then it becomes, how do we get those things? How do we move towards those things? How do we intentionally move into that place God would have us to be? Because it's not going to be a sudden thing. not going to happen by magic. Um, I wish it was. I wish that the magic wand would come out and we'd get the money to buy the property, to build the building, to do all of those things that, that will one day happen here. But it's likely going to be this step, this step, this step, those steps these steps as we move into the place that God has for us because God has a place for us those dreams that we had for God I know when I was younger and, and it, during my addiction years I still wanted to serve God it was one of those weird things for me when I would, when I get, would be partying with somebody and grab a Bible which was never a, a fun night for anybody <laughs> I shouldn't be doing that see? see I knew that I wanted to do something and be a part of what God had but I didn't know how to do it, and I didn't know what it would, what it would require, and I, and I didn't know that I needed to be intentional. I didn't know what, what it would encompass for a long, long, long time. But if we want to achieve those dreams, then we have to work with one another and, and, and get to the place where, where we go, okay, what, what is that step? And a lot of you have had that same thing. How can I make a difference in this world for God? I, I know I love God. I want to make a difference for him, but how do I go about doing that? And I hope that we can work towards that. But what happens in life is that we begin to compromise on things. Where I once had this vision of, of what God would have for me, I then begin to make money. And I begin to work for money instead of meaning. I want success instead of significance. See, the world wants us to focus on things other than God and Christ. And will pull us away from those visions that you had and I had. Unless we work at it and we're intentional about moving towards it. We lost momentum. How do I get it back, right? I want it back. I want momentum. I want, I want to move into that dream that God has for me and that dream that God has for this church. And that's our formula, that faith plus discipline equals momentum for life. We need faith in order to do that. We have to trust that, that God is going to be a part of it. And then we, we have to be disciplined and intentional about the path. Where, what's my next step? and get feedback, and be discipled, and have that input move us. That's why Bible studies are important, and fellowship groups, and all of those things. We need one another. If you do it on your own, it's like, it's like a, a barbecue with, with a bunch of, of charcoals, and then somebody grab, you're the one that somebody grabbed and put over here. If you're not part of the pile, you go out. The good news is that you can come back, and you can get back on fire. 
You can be relit for God. He wants to work through you. He wants to do that. Faith plus discipline equals momentum for life. But we all get stuck sometimes. But we don't have to stay stuck. See, we stay stuck because we don't have an action plan. We don't have a vision of where we want to go. Where do we go from here? If you don't know where, you, where, where to go from here, you know what's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing's going to happen. You've got to have an idea of where you want to go. Where there, there's a reason for the proverb that says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And it's actually where there is no prophetic vision, which is a godly vision. Where there is no godly vision, the people perish. And if we don't have intentionality in our discipleship, then we end up undiscipled and undisciplined. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Arbor Point, you guys have a vision for mission. You had a vision when you moved from the, from the middle, school, middle school to this place. And I'm going to ask you to start praying about where do we go from here. This is not the end point. This is the interim point. So now we've got to find, find the, the place, right? The landing place. Where is it that we need to be as an Arbor Point Church? Please start praying about that. Pray for our children and youth ministry because out of those hopes and dreams, I tell you one, one area that we're going to be focusing on, youth and, youth and children. How do we do that? How do we engage in our community in that way? Those are prayer requests that we need to be lifting up and being aware of so that we can grow in the way that God would have us grow. But it's going to require faith, and it's going to re- require discipline if we want to gain any momentum. Got to have both. We're on an ascent, and there's in the Psalms, there's these things called Psalms of Ascent. What the Israelites would do every year, they go to the temple in Jerusalem and they're, they're in the Kidron Valley and they're going up the hill. Jerusalem is called the city on a hill for a reason because it's a city on a hill. And so, so it's up, up, up there on the mountain and they're going up and they had these Psalms that they would sing to help them along the way. So they're, you know, we're going up the hill. Now they had kids with them. I can only imagine. Some of the stuff they heard. I know one thing they heard for sure. Are we there yet? (laughs) How much farther do we have? How much farther is it? Can't we just rest and wait? And they could have stopped. They could have let that be the, the end point. But you know why they didn't? They knew where they were going. There was a city on a hill that they were going to. And they knew where it was. And so, yeah, there were things that sidetracked them. But they didn't stop. Arbor Point, there's a city on a hill. There's a place in this community for us. There are people in this community who need us. They need Carolyn Martin. Can you believe it? Yeah, absolutely yeah. They need you. Need you to be you for him. You see that a lot on anything I send out. Be you for him. Be you for him. They don't need any more Mike Devines. They need you. I'll be me to the best of my ability, whatever that looks like. But if we got a place we're headed, then the things that happen that pull us away don't have to stop us in our tracks. We're on an ascent. There's a city on a hill. I've had two hip replacements. I don't know if I've told you all that before. When I had them, I, in order to kind of get back in shape, we got a recumbent bike. That's one of those bikes that you sit on because I couldn't walk. Or I could try a walker, but it would, wouldn't get very far. Now, the thing about the recumbent bike is that it has these settings, right? So you can do an incline and you can do resistance. And the more resistance that I would put on there, the harder it was. But when I pushed through the resistance, you know what happens? You gain strength. You gain 
from overcoming resistance. Has, is there anybody in here who has faced resistance in life? Been through some stuff? What happens when you get on the other side? It becomes experience. And the next time you face something, you know what you can do? I can get through this. I got through that. Same for us in the church. Resistance is, don't let resistance stop you. Resistance will simply make us stronger if we're willing to push through it. What happens in the church too much is that we don't embrace the idea that tension is going to happen, that resistance is going to happen, so we, so we play nice. You know what I mean? We play nice. We always look our best. We always say the right thing. We can, uh, the first song, you know, that we sang, <laughs> that we sang uh, talks about how, you know, I refuse to not be who I am. If I'm having a bad day, it's okay to tell somebody that you trust that you're having a bad day. If we're in a meeting and we have, and everybody is, is, is agreeing, it just simply means somebody's not talking. Somebody's staying quiet that needs to talk. Because we need multiple opinions and we need that tension in order to fully become the church God would have us be. Tension is not to be avoided, it's to be embraced. So dress as nice as you want, but bring you, or don't dress nice. It doesn't, you know, God's okay. You know, he's not going to throw stuff at you. Oh, you didn't dress good today. Be you for him, but bring you. Don't avoid disagreements just because we're in church. Don't be, now I'm not talking about yelling at each other or, <laughs> or being disagreeable for the sake of disagreeing, you know what I mean? But it's okay to not agree on everything. In fact, we ought not to. It's always a flag for me in a place. Is that if, if we're not having some level of disagreement or, or tension in meetings, then that means that somebody is just not speaking up. And that will hurt you later because it's going to come out, but it'll come out in the parking lot. I would prefer for that not to happen. If we're going to have disagreements and we're going to have those things, and we will and should, let's just love each other through them. Families, right? Did you know that families are messy? Families are messy. We, we fight and fuss. Now, I, my family, my oldest sister, the oldest, uh, died from her alcoholism. Uh, my older brother was a amphetamine addict. My older sister was a heroin addict. Younger brother does great. <laughs> we had trouble. We had legal trouble. We had all kinds of trouble growing up. All kinds of trouble growing up. We were a mess. We love each other. Period. My older brother is a mess. I love Danny. My older sister, she's, she's, she's a trip. I love her. Do anything for Berger. My younger brother, same thing. He had a hip replacement two weeks ago. Families are messy, but we somehow manage in the midst of the fussing and the fighting at the end of the day to love one another. That's us. That's the attitude that we need to bring to this place. Because we do. We love, at the end of the day, we just love one another. Don't have to agree on everything. But we do need to love one another. Because we are a family. So we'll walk that path. We grow through resistance. We grow through resistance training. It's going to require things of us. It's going to require what I like to call sweat equity. We need to put something into it. But at the end of the day, we will be made stronger because of it. Now, that kind of living that I'm talking about is going to require of us self-leadership. It's going to require of us a plan, a personal plan and a plan as a church so that we can move forward. And in our society, we tend to want easy and we tend to want now. We try to make God work that way, but God doesn't. We try to lower the bar and change God's standard of measure. Change the, Jesus gave us a warning. The gate is wide. 
and, and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are a lot of folks who are going to take it. So we lower the bar, and we think that's going to be the way it is. This is what it means to be a Christian, and all you have to do is just kind of say you believe, but don't do anything else, and, and it'll be okay. But we're not just to believe in Jesus. We're to embrace who he was and who he is. The lifestyle that he led, the spirit that he brought, and that road is not always easy. Though it's filled with joy and filled with overcoming and a peace that passes understanding in the midst of the struggle, so many benefits come from following Christ. But it's not going to be a clear path. We're going to have things that come up. And it won't help us to lower the bar and pretend that, that, it's some, that being a Christian is something that it's not. We're called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Disciples of Jesus Christ. To follow him. And we're called to disciple others. To go and make disciples. If we'll do those things, then we'll see the transformation that we're called to see. But if I can't lead myself, then I'm probably not going to be able to lead anybody else. So it really, really does start with us. It starts with us. So the next question is an easy one, right? It's where do I start? Anne Lamott is a writer that I like a lot. And she was writing about her brother who had this report due on birds. Now, it had been three months since it was assigned. The day before it was due, her brother was sitting at the table with all the, the bird books out, and his pen in hand, and the blank pad of paper. Going to write this report. Where do I start? Now, their dad was a writer, and so he came over to, to, to her brother and put his arm around, her and, around him and said, Bird by bird, son. Bird by bird. Where do you start? Start somewhere. Because it's going to be bird by bird in our growth. It's going to be step by step in our movement. I guarantee you we, that God has a plan. It's not just for us to survive. It's for us to thrive. And that song is one that you're going <laughs> you're to hear throughout this, these four weeks, because I really, really want you to grab the lyrics of that song, let them, let them speak to you, because that's what we're called to. It's not just about getting by. We're, we're meant to thrive. We're meant to be difference makers. God, God has something for us. There's something going on and in this place. I have not, this is my first time serving in a place with a heart like you guys have, and, and that thrills me. Susan, you touched on it earlier. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, you get support. Why? Just because. Come to VBS. Watch what God does. Pray for 30. Let's see what happens. We're going to be working with CASA. Here's a crazy coincidence. Jackson County head of CASA is my daughter-in-law, who just got started that job four months ago or something. So we get to, we get to, we want to build children in youth ministry. Well, we have a pretty good end with CASA. God is up to something. He's up to something. And he wants you to be a part of it. Me too. I want you to be a part of it too. Because I love to hear the stories of what God does. I have a couple of challenges. This week, ask yourself, what do I need to do in order to be of greatest use for the kingdom of God? This week's opportunity, the big one, is, is Vacation Bible School. And you may go, I don't think I like Vacation Bible, Bible School. Come and show, show up and hang out and watch what happens. If you have, if that is just got kind of twinged in your heart, I encourage you to do that. What is it that God wants to awaken in you? I guess, what is it that God wants to awaken in me? What voice am I listening to? 
Am I listening to the voices out here that say all this stuff about how we can't do it and, and trying to pull us away from the dreams and, and hopes and goals that God has for you? Or am I listening to the voice of truth, the one voice, the true voice of God? What is it that God wants of me? Because that takes precedence. Nobody can do it for you. All leadership starts with self-leadership. So those four points. All leadership starts with self-leadership. Momentum is critical up for this journey of ours. Discipleship will require sacrifice from us. But the good news is that faith plus discipline equals momentum for life.